Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the latest episode of my 2023 Rugby World Cup preview series. We return to Pool D today by looking at the 2019 hosts, Japan. Despite prior World Cup heroics, momentum seems low with the brave blossoms. Joining me to look ahead to Japan's fortunes is writer Rich Freeman. Welcome on, Rich. Hey, good afternoon, or I guess good morning back home and where you are. It is. Um, it's lovely out, actually. Um, first of all, Rich, from, a, from an individual standpoint, are you excited for the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky enough. This will be the sixth World Cup that I've covered. Um, it's always exciting. The last two, obviously, from a personal point of view, a little bit different because 2015, whilst Japan came in under the radar, every all the eyes were on Japan because they were obviously the hosts of the next World Cup. And then, obviously, once things kicked off in Brighton, the eyes of the world were on Japan for the, what they were doing on the pitch as well. And then, and yeah, last time around was pretty hectic being the host nation. Um, it's not a lot of English writers over here, so a lot of work. But um, it was good, and yeah, looking forward to this one. It, it promises to be great. And you mentioned kind of 2015 into 2019, and that was a great time for Japanese rugby. A lot of us hopped on that bandwagon, but it, it came with two different coaches. And as we come into 2023 now, Jamie Joseph is preparing to to say goodbye to to the job that, that I suppose he made famous back in 2019 in, in a lot of ways. So ahead of his last hour, would you like to just talk us through his reign as head coach and, and the effect he would have had on, on Japanese rugby? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a very interesting time. Obviously, 2015 was, was an unbelievable time for Japanese rugby. Eddie Jones is a man that few can sort of replace, um, especially in Japan where he's so revered. I mean, the fact that Eddie is obviously half Japanese and married to a Japanese lady. So it was going to be tough, whoever took over. 
And obviously, the, the, the one thing that needs to be pointed out is that Mark Hammett actually was the interim coach for a few games before Jamie Joseph took over, um, because Jamie was still doing the Highlanders. Um, eventually came over. It's been... Obviously, he'll be remembered for 2019. There have been some other pretty good moments in between. The last three years, not so good. Yeah, it has it has kind of fallen away in that regard. And I was going to get into it later. I might as well get into it now. So for people who don't know, Japan, their last win over a tier one side, if I remember correctly, was that pool stage game over Scotland back in, back in 2019. It has... You know, COVID has played a part and the test rugby calendar that has been long revered has played a part as well. But for them to kind of feel like they've regressed simply because they haven't had enough games or when they have, they haven't come down the right side of them. They've, been, they've rarely been at home against tier one side since the World Cup. So do you feel like the last four years has taken, has been an impact more than a time of progression for Japan? Yeah, definitely. I think it is a worrying fact. I mean, I wrote a piece recently talking about has Japan rugby stagnated? Um, the performances on the field have not been good. There have been a lot of other issues. As you say, COVID did play a big role. I mean, Japan missed the whole year of rugby um, at test match level. They also had the domestically cancelled that year in 2020. Um, so it's been tough. That we'll see, and this is I personally believe one reason for, for the problems of the last few years as well, they saw the Sunwolves disbanded, um, which I think had a, a huge impact. Um, and so it's been a tough, tough time. And we'll see what happens this time around at the World Cup. I mean, you know, Japan struggled a little bit before 2015, to be perfectly honest. Some of the results leading up into that World Cup weren't great. And we were thinking, oh, my God, you know, here we go again. Another World Cup, another four losses. And then obviously we had Brighton, as I said, even last time around leading into 2019. The results weren't outstanding. I'm looking at some of them here. Um, there were some good wins, obviously, but I mean, they got hammered by South Africa just before the World Cup, and yet they, they, they then turned things around. And a lot of that, I think, was the pressure of being the hosts. There was so much expectation on their shoulders. Um, so, yeah, a lot of questions still to be answered ahead of this World Cup. Absolutely. And I, I suppose one, one of the things about it is, you know, we all kind of remember rather unfortunately we'll never forget as Irish fans how you know when they turned over Ireland that day but for a large part a lot of the the standout names are still there you think of Leach, Jimeno um, guys like that in particular who, who really stood out in 2019 where do you feel this squad shapes up compared to previous because you could definitely make a case that it's an easier pool in terms of the strength of the the top nations this time around so do you think this squad can has the talent and the class to potentially push them all the way again? That's a really tough question and one that a lot of people in Japan are asking. I mean, I was just looking at it. It's The, the squad has 15 members from the last World Cup. Now, as I say, most teams do go through. It's a four-year cycle. They do introduce new players. The problem that Japan obviously had in that first year in 2020 when they could have produced and introduce some new young players was there was no test matches. So now you're you're trying to beat the clock, you're trying to introduce new players, but at the same time, you've got to keep some of the older players just for that experience. Um, 
you mentioned Himeno had an outstanding season for the Highlanders when he went over there in 2021, I think it was, but has not been that good of late. Michael Leach is starting to come good again, but he struggled with injuries post-2019. Shota Horiace, 37 years old. Um, you know, fourth World Cup, great, but is he the same Shota Horier that was there in 2015, 2019? I don't think so. And, and so this is the problem that Japan have got, is that they've got some experienced players, but they are missing some key players. Second row is... A real problem area on the wings, obviously, Fukuoka is not around this time. Um, They're missing some players in midfield. And there are also some players that have not been selected that a lot of people in Japan think should have been. And that's always going to be one of the questions, you know, as we record, are there tapping them their squad, but they will have. But for every nation, there's always a bit of, you know, what about X or Y? It's a 33-man squad. and you could go a few different directions, but just really quickly from the guys we may not know or we may not remember from, from 2019, etc. Is there anyone there that we should be keeping an eye out on? Because to their credit in, in both 2015 and 2019, there was a couple of players who we did not know who put their hands up for, dare I say, international stardom for the, for the months of September and October. Yeah. I mean, as I say, some of these young players coming through, um, there's a guy called Warner Deans, who is uh, 21 years old. He was at high school over here. He's the tallest member of the squad. He's just over two metres. Um, his dad was a strength and conditioning coach with NEC Green Rockets. So Warner went mm-hmm. to high school here. As you can imagine, at a Japanese high school, he sort of stood metres above the rest of the rest of his teammates and opposition. He went straight to club rugby. He's coached by Todd Blackadder. He's coming into the World Cup under an injury cloud, but if he gets fit, he is a player for the future. I mean, some of the comments I've heard about him, strength-wise and and whatever else, he's a very athletic lock as well. He scored a great charge-down try against the All Blacks a couple of years ago. So he's a player, I think, that, as I say, touch wood, he, he gets over his injuries. He's a player, I think, that will... Raise a few eyebrows. Um, ben Gunter is a second row forward, uh, a back row forward, sorry. Born in Thailand, um, was about to join the Australian Army because he had no future in, in Australian rugby. And Robbie Deans, at the age of 18, said, Ben, come over to Japan. He's been here seven years, so that's you know all his adult life. Um, very, very physical back row forward. Jack Cornelson, who's the son of Greg Cornelson, um, a very good back row forward. Obviously, some people will be sitting there saying, oh, well, you're only talking about the foreign-born players. There's a few Japanese players in the mix. Um, Tomoki Osada, who is a centre, was this year's Rookie of the Year in the Japan League One. Very, very talented. Now, whether he's an international 12, I'm not sure. I think he's better at 13. Um, But he is one, I think, that really could impress people. I suppose we don't get to we don't get to see any Japanese rugby over here. And when we do, it's usually clips of you know the South Africans tearing it up or the the Zealanders. Yeah. But there is <coughs> apologies, there is a strong base of of really talented Japanese players coming through, and a lot of people will tell you that. So hopefully, someone like Asada will be one of the ones that that puts their hand up. And there is 
Liverpool games that you could potentially say, you know, Japan could go out there and score three or four tries like they did in 2019 if, if everything clicks. And before we get into the pool itself, just a quick look at their warm-up fixtures that we record before they play usually um, in their final game. But so far, it's been it's been bleak enough, you could say, you know, lost, lost at home to Samoa. I know there was the, the red card incident. Michael Leach has, has returned from that suspension already. Um, like, they, they, they did beat Tonga, which might be music to, to Scotland's fans' ears and Ireland's fans' ears, and then got well beaten by Fiji. Now, I know there's, there's shadow boxing, there's experimentation in these games, but you really don't want to be going through a situation where after four years of very little rugby and very few wins, that you potentially lose three of your four games before the World Cup either. No, I agree with you entirely. I mean, whether I asked Tony Brown whether he was a poker player and whether he was keeping things and, you know, keeping things away from the spies, as it were. Um, and he said no. Um, so having said that, they the coaches did make a point of saying that they were playing to the opposition and to the conditions. And I think what you've got to remember is I don't know if you were over here for the World Cup in 2019. Japan gets pretty hot and humid. I mean, we're talking today is about 37 degrees out there. Humidity is up to about 70, 80%. So when they were playing against Tonga, when they were playing against Samoa and Fiji, it was hot and it was humid and the ball was always going to be slippery. And obviously against Pacific Island teams, Japan's tactics in the past has often been to kick kick the ball because they feel it's better to tackle a Pacific Islander than be tackled by a Pacific Islander. That's how they beat Samoa in 2019. So they were playing specific tactics to play against specific teams. But as you say, you know, winning's all all about confidence. And so ideally by the time this hopefully goes to air, you know, we'll be sitting there and, and Japan might have beaten Italy, in which case that confidence will have come back. But if they don't beat Italy, then, uh, yeah, there is a serious issue with the confidence of the team. And, and and I think one of the biggest complaints probably from some of the people watching over here, and certainly I've mentioned this, is there doesn't seem to be a plan B. Um, they've stuck with the same players, especially at sort of nine and ten. And they're playing this sort of power-based pod rugby, which is not really Japan's style. Um, They don't have the speed merchants out wide. Yes, the two wingers are pretty dynamic, but they're a different breed of winger than, as I say, Fukuoka or Matsushima, who's been shifted to fullback now. And the problem I've sort of talked about has been, you know, if plan A doesn't work, you just need a, a plan B that's totally different. I mean, you know, obviously England, for example, perhaps have that with their with their selection of fly halves or whatever else. They're, they have a, a guy on the bench that maybe is much more of a runner than a kicker. Um, with Japan, you've got two fly halves who are pretty identical in the way they play the game. And that's listen, That brings forth its own selection decisions. But by the time we get to, say, the... I'm trying to think of which game it is. The um, Samoa game, which is third up. You don't know what way the, the team's going to be shaping up. As you said, they could be initially this weekend and, and everything look a bit different. But like Pudi is favourable. They're drawn with Samoa again and that's already being billed as 
a bumper clash and possibly play it for third place in that pool. Maybe even more. We don't know. We 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 won't get too far ahead of ourselves. So and like with kind of looking from my point of view, and I've raised this on an Argentina podcast and talked about the Pacific Island nations. It feels like there's probably four teams who aren't at the level that they want to be at, or at least that's what it appears. And with that, they, like that unimpressiveness and that staleness could lead to a real opportunity here. And Japan are, are no different. So like maybe you've heard their aims stated in the media um, or maybe you're just guessing here, but what do you think their aims and their expectations will be for this pool? Their aim is to get out of it. Their aim is to get to the last eight at least and then see how it goes from there. Um, you know, the Japan Rugby Union don't help themselves sometimes. They, they've sat there and said that they want to be a team that's capable of winning the World Cup in 20 years, which I'm sitting like, wow, that's a pretty... I mean, it's great to have ambition, but there's also a need to be rather sort of realistic and sensible. I think on their day, if results went their way, I think, you know, despite my accent, I mean, I was so disappointed watching England-Wales the other week. I thought it was one of the worst games of rugby I've seen in a long time. If England turn up like that and Japan turn up like they did against Scotland at the last World Cup, we could see an upset. Um, But Samoa, you don't know what Samoa are going to be like. Yes, Japan have beaten them at the last two World Cups, but generally speaking, Samoa always were a problem team for Japan. So, as you rightly point out, Japan could be playing for third place, which, if they didn't qualify for the next World Cup, I think has big problems because they've basically pulled out of Asia rugby for the last for however many years, and suddenly they would have to go back and play Asia rugby qualifiers um, rather than mm-hmm. playing the Tier 1 teams. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake, I think. Yeah, there really is. And, and one thing that struck me, and we talked about this before, is when the fixtures are laid out makes it all the more intriguing sometimes like you know pool a france gets new zealand first game of the tournament is is massive but then you got other pools where it's the second or third game for japan it feels like they actually have a nice bit of space and like they start with chile you'd expect it to beat them then they have england but england are coming off the back of playing argentina and unless something changes drastically over the next three weeks they could be at a very low ebb coming into that game then they have a week off, they play some more apologies, and finish with Argentina. And it feels like as well, like that's probably the best possible run of fixtures they could get in a lot of ways. I would agree. I would just point out though that last time around, Japan started very, very slowly against Russia. <laughs> we were sitting at half time going, Oh my god, no, please no. And fortunately they came away in the second half. I mean, Chile. They're going to be targeting one game, presumably. You would think Chile are going to target one game at the World Cup. Now, if you're Chile and you're looking at your group and you've got England, Argentina, Samoa, the one and Japan, the one team possibly the Chileans are going to target would be Japan because obviously they're not as physical as England, Argentina or Samoa. So you're right. I mean, it, it's a fascinating draw, Um Hopefully Japan get off to a good start. Bonus point win would be nice. And then, as you say, playing in the heat in Nice against England, who obviously uh, have got injury issues, suspension issues and what have you. 
um, it will be a very interesting game. Yeah, it promises to be anyway. But I suppose then from a well, we 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 try to predict things. Well, half of us are going to be proven wrong in this podcast anyway. But we we try and take yeah. a stab at it. You know, like obviously, I think the minimum for Japan is third place. That game against Samoa, we'd expect it's going to be for automatic qualification for twenty twenty seven, and that's huge in its own right. But if you were to take a stab at it, what way would you see? that pool unfolding? I don't know. I, 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 To be honest, I think this World Cup is probably the hardest to predict, not just in terms of who's actually going to win the whole competition, but I think every pool, there is a potential dark horse. Now, obviously, people will sit there and say, pool A, oh, well, it's New Zealand, France, obviously. Italy are no mugs, and they've shown, they've beaten South Africa in the past, and they've shown on their day they could go in there and upset France or New Zealand, perhaps. Um, and that then has, obviously, an impact in who plays who in the quarterfinals. Obviously, Ireland, Scotland, South Africa. I mean, <laughs> that's a tough old pool. And then Fiji, Georgia, Wales, Australia. Any one of four teams could go through. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. And it could come down to points difference. I mean, we could end up seeing what happened to Japan in 2015, where they won three games, but still didn't qualify because of, of, of points difference. So, And I think that's where perhaps the two powerhouses in England and Argentina have an advantage. I know England haven't scored a lot of tries of late, but you would think they're more likely to rack up the points against Chile and Samoa than perhaps Japan are. And I think yeah. that could end up being what decides which two teams go through. Yeah, and it's it really is that kind of that fickleness, that kind of small margins, because like even looking back, Japan Samoa was a two point game back in, in their warm up clash and I know there was a, a red card and all that, but that was only two points in it. So to say Japan might need to beat them by, say, 15 points, potentially, depending on what, say, Argentina do, for example, is a is a big ask. And then, as you said, Chile yeah. could be targeting them. So, like, it, it's, it looks like it's na- laid out nicely for Japan. But at the same time, you, you'd have to be fearful, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I think so. And, I mean, I, I, I've seen a lot of people over here who have already written Japan off and said, you know, they are playing for third place or fourth place, basically. I mean, seeing some people sitting there saying the way they, that they've played of late, they could even be beaten by Chile. But, you know, you've got two, well, yeah, I mean, Jamie Brown, Tony, uh, Jamie Brown, Jamie Joseph, Tony Brown, two very, very experienced coaches. They will know how to get the best out of Japan. Um, and as I say, we saw that against Scotland when it was a winner-take-all. We saw that against Ireland where they suddenly found that self-belief despite going down to the early try. Um, Admittedly, they did have 50,000 screaming Japanese fans in the stadium that day in Shizuoka. But um, I'd like to think it. As I say, going back to what I I said earlier about the Sunwolves, that I think is a huge lost to Japan because that gave the players a sense of belief. Um, Japanese players for so long were sort of isolated. They played in their own leagues. They played up against the big Gaijin foreign teams. 
And a lot of times they went into games thinking we're not going to win. And what Eddie Jones did was give them the self-belief. And that then carried through with the Sunwolves. Yes, the results weren't always great. But what it also did is it taught the Japanese players to act outside their comfort zone. Because Japanese players are very mollycoddled. They go to the best high schools on sports scholarships. They go to the best universities on a sports scholarship. And then they get employed by one of the biggest companies in the world, basically just to play rugby, knowing that they got a job for life if they want it. Taking them out of that environment, putting them in the Sunwolves where they had to fly 36 hours to Argentina, 30 hours to South Africa, eat food that they're not used to, and then, you know, often get bullied in games by much bigger opposition. It taught them how to rebound from that. And if you look at some of the w- biggest wins the Sunwolves had, they came on the back of big losses. And I think that was very important in 2019. As I say, they opened up against Russia. They weren't good. Then, obviously, the Ireland game was was extraordinary. Samoa, they struggled. They needed that last-minute try from a penalty that I'm sure the Samoans will still question to this day. And then, obviously, Scotland was a winner-take-all situation. So... I'm just slightly worried that some of the younger players might go back to that old Japan of of that sort of lack of self-belief because they just haven't been put in a situation like this. It's up to Michael Leach, Shota Horie, guys like that, Keita Inagaki, Kotaro Matsushima. Those are the guys that are really going to have to step up and, and, and guide the young players and say, look, this is Test Match Rugby and Test Match Rugby at the highest level at World Cup. Absolutely. And you, you hate to say that, you know, it hinges on the first maybe game or even the Italy game, because to be fair, they're two full, nearly full strength sides for that game. But you you can't help but think that if they were to to kind of fall over the door, fall in the door against Chile, like they did against Russia in 2019, that the doubt creeps in because you are you're not on home soil anymore. And that's yeah. a huge factor. Like, do, do Japan beat Ireland if that's played anywhere outside Japan? Probably not. That they had that incredible support that day. Like, it's it's a huge factor, and I suppose before before we finish up, like, just something that came to mind here, like the fact that Japan could finish second and get out of the pool, or they could finish fourth and have to requalify. Like, it's not all about the financials, but in terms of growing the game in Japan, would you be fearful of what a fourth place and having to re-qualify for the next World Cup and playing less games against Tier 1 nations could do to them. Yes, yes. And I'll give you an example. In 2011, the Japan women's soccer team won the World Cup. Huge buzz all around Japan soccer. Women's soccer going up, all the player numbers and whatever else. This last recent World Cup, they didn't even have a TV deal to show the games here because the team had slid off the radar because they weren't as successful. And I think for rugby here, Japan rugby is basically everything is geared towards the national team. You know, the sevens program is non-existent. They've just been relegated from the sevens program. Again, the under twenties, because of the way rugby's run here, they've just been relegated. Um, COVID obviously had a huge impact because World Rugby keep going on about the legacy of 2019, but 
the right plans were never in place. And so a lot of the kids that started playing based on 2019, a lot of them have already stopped because there simply wasn't the programs in place to keep them going in junior rugby, in junior rugby sites. And so if the national team fall off the radar by not qualifying, I think it could have a serious effect, particularly because at the moment, you know, Japan still keep going on about their league's good enough. They want to have the best league in the world. You know, would Ireland be World Cup favourites if all those guys were just playing club rugby in Ireland? No, you need cross-border tournaments and everything. And obviously the question is, with this new international calendar, they're talking about the top 12 teams. They're talking about Japan and Fiji. But if Japan don't even qualify for the next World Cup and lose to Samoa, how is Samoa going to feel or Georgia going to feel if they're suddenly left off this Super 12 international programme? So, yeah, yeah, has huge consequences. And I, I like to to finish these on a high where I can, but yes, like there's there's no point in moving away from it. The fact that for an awful lot of countries, Japan would be one of them. I know, say Samoa, Fiji, these sides have always been on that kind of third, fourth place mark. But for a country like Japan, who just got to a quarter final, everything was going up. You you can't help but feel like this this is a huge tournament, possibly even bigger than say 2015, where Eddie Jones let, left the groundwork. But Hopefully we can finish on a positive because I was going to ask for your predictions anyway and um, how you see the World Cup unfolding. And you already said you're excited. It's hard to call. We all agree with that sentiment. It is impossible to call. But who do you see see winning it? And I suppose if if you want to make it as, as positive as you can, like it's it's set for a cracker tournament, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when you watch some of the best sides, I mean, there was... Um... Was the Scotland France game it was on at three thirty in the morning, I think, over here, and I stayed up and watched the whole thing, even though I'd almost fallen asleep watching England Wales, and you suddenly realise that when you've got two top class teams really trying to play a decent game of rugby, it is unbelievable. There was um, again most of the games in Europe are here at whatever ungodly hour. There was an Ireland game last year where Ireland in the first half were just unstoppable. I can't, was it, uh, was it Wales it? or France, maybe? My France. Was it France? They, yeah. First half? Be, they yeah. Were... The, the first half of both those games at the at the start of this year were incredible. Yeah, I think it must have been that one. I mean, and you sit there and you watch that and you think, wow. And you forget all the other issues that rugby has leading into this tournament because there are a lot of problems on, on, on the sidelines. Yeah. Because when it's played well, and that's what I'm hoping. There's, it is the team that plays the best that wins the World Cup. So, you know, I think Ireland are in with a shout. I love the way Scotland play rugby. France are in with a shout. You've obviously got then South Africa, New Zealand, because you can never not say that they're not going to make the quarterfinals, but uh, semifinals. But they might not this time. South Africa, we, we might have a... Ch- a a tournament where the reigning champion doesn't even make the quarterfinals. Yep, potentially. How, how good would that be for the sport? Because it then does show that it is a little bit more global than perhaps, you know, the same three or four countries winning it every time. Um, on a high. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think Ireland could win it, seriously. Um, because you've got the depth. Obviously, France are going to be close to unstoppable, I think, at times, yeah. because of the home support. I mean, you listen to that crowd in San Etienne 
And imagine what twice that's going to be like in Paris. It's going to be noisy. It's going to be scary. It's going to be, yeah. So, and then obviously, because I've known him for so many years, World Cup, you can never write Eddie Jones off. You know, Australia might not win it, but they quarter final time or semi final time, they could produce something. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping just that it will be a lot of good tournaments, won by the best team, not by, dare I say, how many players a team has left on the field at the end of the game. Well, it's it's going to be a factor at some point in, in some knockout game or some big pool game. Like, But listen, we yeah. do hope it's, it's the best team does win. Typically the best team and typically the best defence goes on to win a World Cup. So we're expecting more of the same. And Rich, thank you very much for joining me to, to look ahead to Japan. And we hope their fortunes in this World Cup is a, a little bit better than, than we're that we're predicting or leaning towards but for those at home so. for those at home we, we have a final look at Pool D with Argentina and Chile and Pool A's Uruguay in a Latin America preview pod coming this week and then attention shifts back to Ireland of course it does looking ahead to the tournament for Andy Farrell's men in written articles and podcasts so thanks home to everyone for listening if you do like what you see or hear please do subscribe and you can find the links to my channels my Twitter pages etc as well as Rich's Twitter page which is brilliant for news in Japanese rugby. And you can find all that down below. But for now, and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.